Salutations, good people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Slow Wealth Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation. I am Kendra. And Ramon. As we have in our previous shows, we always start with a powerful motivational quote. It starts by saying, your past mistakes are meant to guide you, not define you. Your past mistakes are meant to guide you, not define you. You learn by past errors and you change whatever errors that you made in the past to go on and have a a much better, uh, wiser future. Sounds good. Yeah, people need to stop living in the past. Anyways, we um, always start with giving you a synopsis of the housing industry as well as the current financial market. Ramon, do you have anything to add to? No, don't tell me about it. Okay, all right, awesome. So um, Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, um, says that he is not concerned about the housing industry since it has been on an uptrend through most of 2020. Housing is still in high um, high demand, meaning that there are lots of sellers and not enough homes on the market. No, there's not enough sellers. Oh, what did I say? Lots of sellers. Oh, damn. Lots of buyers. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Lots of buyers and not enough homes on the market. I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Um, and uh, Daniel Hale from Realtor.com says... Um, Growth is expected to be 7% um, through, you know, the rest of uh, remaining of 2020. Um, Expect mortgage rates to tick up gradually. Sales and price growth will be propelled by a strong demand. Again, um, a recovering economy and still low mortgage rates. Um, She also mentions that more people that are entering the housing market are the millennials and Generation Z. Who is Generation Z? Uh, the Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Lord mercy. I don't know. I don't know um, either. <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it'd be our kid generation, right? I guess so. Because what Generation X was our parents. I thought that was our grandparents. Well, that was me because it ended in, you know. A year. So late sixties. Whatever. Get over yeah, yourself, youngster. XYZ. X, One of them. One know. of them, yeah, I don't know either. Um and although um the supply is expected to lag, um, the housing market is expected to um show small declines and potentially stop by the end of the year as sellers grow more comfortable. With the market environment and new construction picks up, basically stating that um, come 2021, people will feel more comfortable selling their homes um, since we're seeing in several cities, um, new construction, um, builders are feeling more comfortable um, producing more homes for those who want to um, purchase. That's pretty much all I have about the housing market. I mean, because it's it's still great. Uh, yeah, because uh, right now Tacoma, Tacoma is the hottest growing market in the United States. Again. We should have bought that four unit again. I know, man. Anyways, uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. The retail market is down. 
Um, and that's why Jerome Powell, again, head of the Federal Reserve, is pushing for more stimulus. Speaking of stimulus, there is a new stimulus um, plan in talks, which would give $600 per adult um, that makes under 100000 or a couple that makes under $150,000, and $600 per child or dependent without a cap. So if you got eight kids or two kids, your children will receive that $600. There's no cap or dependent. Let me hold one. <laughs> right. Two. Uh, well, through 2020, there were a lot <laughs> of babies being produced, as we know. Oh, uh, my God. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> I know, because it seems like everybody's pregnant. Uh -huh. um, unemployment. Um, it is possible that people that are receiving unemployment benefits will receive an additional $300 per week, not the $600 as many people have received um, from April until the end of July this year. Um, well, and you said $100 a week. No, they said $300. Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Well, they were t when they said $100, they were talking about the stimulus because remember the original stimulus that we had was $700 per adult. Um, but they were like, well, why is it $600 now? It's only a $100 difference. Why can't you just give the American people that extra $100? Uh, so yeah. they're trying to get 300 a week per for unemployment. Yeah, 300 additional per week um, for 13 weeks. So that would start January and around the same time that we received it this year. So January I think they were March. retro, though. I thought they were talking about retro. See, I, I didn't want to mention that because they aren't 100% sure about that. Well, hey, January, February, March, and the start of April. Yeah, the start of April. So there is a possibility, again, $300 additional per week on unemployment benefits. And the eviction ban might get canceled until January 31st. But the Republicans are going against that. Because they said if we're giving money, stimulus money to the people, why would we have an eviction ban? Right. Which I kind of agree. You're getting that money. I know you might be, you know, overdue on your on your bills and all that stuff, but you still need a place to live. And I think a lot of people are being frivolous with the money that they had been getting. And you got to pay rent. You got to pay for where you live. Right. No matter who you are, where you are. So... Right, I agree. Um, the thing is, too, that they're in talks about with the stimulus is um, a possibility that you either get the $600 per adult, per uh, dependent or child, or you get the additional $300 a week. I don't see how that... No, I think they said that uh, they're looking at you getting either or. I think based That's, on your income. Oh, based on your income? Oh, okay. Okay. So that I guess sense. if you made a certain amount, uh, single or um, as a couple, you wouldn't get the stimulus, but you would get, you would qualify for the unemployment. Okay. Which okay. I that made more yeah, sense. I don't know the whole stipulation on that, but hey, I guess I'm better than that. Right. Do you have anything else to add to I the market? Do not. Okay. Well, today we're kind of going a different direction. Um, we're going to talk about the movie, The Banker, that came out earlier this year um, that is on Apple TV. It's only on Apple TV. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Samuel Jackson, who plays the character, or excuse me, who plays um, the investor and black businessman Joe Morris. Anthony Mackie, who is the lead in the movie, um, he is playing uh, Bernard Garrett. Best Garrett Sr. Yeah, Bernard Garrett Sr., sorry. And Nicholas Holt, who is playing Matt Steiner. Um, Eunice Garrett, who is played by Nia Long. And um, there's a list of other characters, but those are the four primary characters. Um, Um, Some good actors, too. Yeah, it's a great movie. It is two hours long, but it is a great movie that is just so informative about a lot of the... um, A lot of what we talk about. Yeah, a lot of the systemic racism that happens in the housing market. Um, And uh, the importance of generational wealth, because it discusses... I mean, you could see that throughout the movie, what that uh, red line is between black wealth and white wealth. And you could see how um, the wealth was um, pretty much kept from people in the black community now no matter how educated they were or weren't or weren't um now the movie just a synopsis of the uh movie description it is based in the 1950s 60s um before the civil rights act uh two entrepreneurs again anthony mackie whom is playing bernard garrett and samuel l jackson jackson excuse me whom is playing joe morris um, hatch an ingenious business plan to fight for housing integration and equal access to wealth in the housing market. And they pretty much catapulted the Civil Rights Act um, and the Housing Act, the Equal Housing Act of, ni- what was that, 1968? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they pretty much catapulted that. And they also... Um, you know, through their own just kind of workings, um, changed a lot of things in the banking industry as well, as well as um, changing how the real estate industry, um, how would you describe that? Uh, shoot, just real estate industry, period. Yeah, they, they just pretty much, you know, changed the real estate industry. The initial plan wasn't to be... Um, you know, wasn't for them to go rogue, I guess. They were just trying to, (laughs) they were trying to have equal access to wealth. That was it. They weren't trying to make a statement or anything, but it ended up happening that they made a statement and made a significant difference in the housing industry and as far as Black generational wealth of their time. Mm -hmm. Now, Ramon is going to go a little bit more in depth about how significant the movie is to um, to what the happenings are now and um, what it means, again, for generational wealth. And I, I just want to mention this. The reason why we decided to uh, discuss this movie is because it was kind of um, where art takes the... How do they say it? Um... Art takes the form of reality because Ramon and I always thought about having someone, basically a white person, um, be our frontman. 
um, going out there, speaking to um, realtors and, you know, making phone calls and such, because I, as, I, as I hate to say it, sometimes we sound too black. <laughs> you know, I, I hate that concept and that, that term, but um, a lot of times Pete, what would happen is we would talk to someone on the phone, we would have great rapport over the phone, and then they'd get to see us face-to-face in the whole dynamic of the rapport we had over the phone would just change once they saw that we, you know, that we were black. Um, and because Ramon, um, honestly, he would be very, um, you know, he's, he's very educated about how the numbers work uh, with our investment business. And, uh, it was, you know, it was cool over the phone. They'd be, you know, giving him all kind of compliments like, oh my gosh, you're so great. You know, you know a lot about the industry and blah, 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 blah. You know, they just be complimenting him. And then you'd sit down at the table and it was more or less like, well, you know, you're kind of wrong about this, but on the phone, he was, he was 100% right. We can say, okay, um, it's not because you're black that they're doing that. But we knew it was. I mean, I've been black my whole life. Ramon's been black his whole life. We know the difference between what's real and what's stupid. <laughs> so with that said, and with further ado, <laughs> will you proceed, my love? <laughs> well, hey, before we get started, we have to give a disclaimer that if you have not seen the movie, go watch it first. Yes. And then come back and listen to this podcast. And this is not a review of the movie. We are not It is um, gonna be a review. No, it's not. We're not we're not, you know, like Rotten Tomatoes or Cisco and Eber. We're no, not no. here to score the movie. We're just here to I'm say how it's opinion. relatable to the industry. We're gonna give our opinion on what we like, how much we like it. So, no, we're so not. Forth. Well I will. Alright, so <laughs> that- now and then also a disclaimer, this is not to say that, you know, all white people are like this. Right. Because as you guys were watching the movie, uh, some of the white people that they interacted with, not many, because you got to think this was in the 50s and the 60s, where you weren't allowed to own pretty much anything, uh, especially not uh, in a white neighborhood. Exactly. As these two guys did. Um but it's just to showcase how things were back then, and there's still, you know, a little, a little bit of it still today. Um, so again, like she said, you got all these great actors. You know, Anthony Mackie. If you guys don't know who that is, he's the guy who played Captain America's sidekick in the Avengers, the black guy. Everybody knows Samuel Jackson, Neil Long. Yeah, you know. You got everybody. Nia Long is his girlfriend and his his mind. wife. No, I'm talking about your girlfriend and your mom. Oh, no, <laughs> we ain't talk about that. All right, so just to kind of give a, a you know a background of it, he had these two guys. Well, first he had the one guy Bernard, who's played by Anthony Mackie. He you know he grew up in the south of Willis, Texas. I don't know where that's at. We in Yeah, I don't even want to drive through there. So, you're talking about a small town, small views, you know. Yes, sir, no, sir. Keep your head down. And he was a shoe shiner. And he would uh, shine white men's shoes outside of a bank. So, you know, back then, you know, they look at you, you're a black kid, you know. You don't really know much. You know, you can't speak unless you're spoken to. 
So here he is shining these white men's shoes, but little do they know while they're discussing business, which was a real estate business, uh, commercial properties, he was listening and he was taking notes. And he taught himself a lot about commercial real estate from the numbers, how to, you know, look at the finances, how, you know, all of that stuff. And so he basically, as he got older, he went on to try to buy property. And he links up with this white guy who was actually Irish. Yeah, he, he was, yes, he Irish, was Irish. Right? Mm-hmm. And they end up going into business together. So he knew that Anthony Mackey's character, Bernard, he knew that this guy was very knowledgeable about commercial real estate. He knew how to, he knew the numbers, he knew how to buy, he knew how to look, analyze all that stuff. But the one problem was, is that he was black. And as much, and as, much as he knows and how, as good as he was, nobody would want to do business with him just because he was black. So they made the agreement that, hey, let's go into business together. We'll split everything 50-50. But when it comes to dealing with people, having meetings, I'm going to be the face because I'm white. Even though I'm Irish and they probably wasn't, you know, looked upon too great back then either, but he was still a white guy. Right. So when Anthony Mackey, I just, I don't mm, mean to cut you off, but just as a correction, Willis, Texas is outside of Houston or closest to Houston. And um, Anthony Mackey started the process of learning about the housing industry from um, when he was a shoe shiner in during Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, again, this is the era the era where you, you couldn't even say you wanted to buy something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Especially in a white neighborhood, they'd probably hang you just for saying that. Mm-hmm. So it was very risky. What he, what, he, what he attempted to do. And if you think about it, you know, the, the great people of history, they didn't get that great until they went against the grain. You know, they went against, you know, what society says you shouldn't do. Um, and this is why they'll forever, <clears throat> especially in the real estate industry, uh, be remembered. So, um, you know, fast forward to, I think it was 19, starting 1960s. Yeah. Uh, him and his white guy, this Irish guy, they go into business and they start buying up all this property. I mean, just left and right, making deals. And they were buying it in some white neighborhoods. Now, again, as a black man, he couldn't buy these properties in the white neighborhood because he wasn't white. But the guy that he was business with was white, so he could, he could be able to... So basically, the white guy would buy the properties in his name, but him, he was partnered with... Uh, Anthony Mackey, Bernard, I'll just say Bernard. He was partnered with Bernard. So they were able to acquire, I don't, it didn't, they didn't really say how many properties at the it time. It was several properties. And again, they split it 50 50. The Irishman, um, whom Anthony Mackey's character, Bernard, was in business with, um, he was the face of the company. Because in the movie, Anthony Mackey, he said, you know what? I need you to be on the phones. The Irishman did. He said, I need you to be on the phone speaking to Anthony Bernard Garrett, Anthony Mackey's character. And um, he said, but when it's time to shake hands, I'll go shake hands. Uh-huh. So he knew the ignorance of, you know, uh, why America during that time, 
you know, uh, during Jim Crow into basically what was going to be the civil rights movement. Yes. So, um, yeah, like you said, they, they acquired, I mean, several properties. And so, unfortunately, a little later into their business relationship, uh, the, his partner, the Irish guy, he ends up dying in his sleep. So now, there was a problem. There was a big problem. So when he died, Anthony Mac Bernard, he wanted to continue the business, the real estate business. But what happened is the wife of the Irish guy, she didn't want to go into business with him because he was black. So she wanted to sell off all the property. And she was going to give him a percentage of it. But the problem was him, he and that Irish guy agreed to split it 50-50. But they didn't have an actual contract. It was just verbal. And even to today, with the verbal contract, um, you have to prove the intention of the other person in case of a death. So he was not able to prove that this Irish guy had intentions on splitting everything with him 50-50. Well, wait a minute, he was. Because remember, that banker... He possibly could, but I'll I'll, I'll mention that. Okay, okay. So his wife... The Irishman. The Irishman's wife. She agreed to give him, uh, I think it was maybe 10 or 15 cents on the dollar for every dollar of value of property that they own, which is obviously substantially way lower than what, you know, his dad agreed on. So he's just like, you know, he's basically telling her, look, that, that's crazy. So she says, okay, well, I'll jump into, I believe she said 25 cents mm-hmm. on the dollar. And she says, you know, basically, look, if you don't like that, you can walk away with nothing. I'll take you to court with a white lawyer in front of the white jury and we'll see if you get anything. So obviously, he's stuck between a, a big rock and a hard place because he knew you're not going to win that. So um, they didn't say, but I believe he went ahead and took that deal. Um, so after that, he goes into the bank. And this bank is this building, sorry. It's a building in downtown LA. It's the biggest building in downtown LA at that time. And this building, there was uh, several businesses and a few banks. So there was a few banks that operated out of this building. And so he's looking at a sign. And on the sign, he sees the name of the bank that, you know, he had all these properties loaned with this bank. Now, he went in to talk to the banker because, you know, he's trying to see if he can prove that his business partner that died, that passed away, if he can prove, you know, if he can get this guy to corroborate that, hey, this guy was his partner, we agreed to split 50-50, but the banker didn't even want to talk to him. So he looked at this sign, he saw the name of the bank, I think the name of the bank was uh, Main Street Bank, I believe that was the name, yeah, Main, Main Street, Street Bank. Well, I'm sure they changed the name. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it's know, probably not no more, but back then this was what it was called. So he comes up with this ingenious idea that will... I mean, it forever changed the real estate. As far, it changed the real estate industry, period. So he looks at that, and, he, and then he says he has his idea. So his wife, who was played by... Uh, Nia Long. Nia Long. I'm about to call her Nina. I don't know. <laughs> she mentions to uh, Bernard that, hey, 
there's this guy, and she introduces him to that. Hey, he's 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 a he's a wealthy black guy, has his hand on on the city, you know, the pulse of the city. You should talk to him. He has a lot of connections. So, Aunt Bernard Anthony Mackie's character, he he goes and he meets this guy, and this guy is none other than Samuel L. Jackson, who was but, playing Joe Morris. Who was playing Joe Morris. Mm-hmm. Now. His character, he was very, uh, he was very, he was a very confident, real, I don't know if you want to say cocky. He was kind of, he had a gregarious attitude. Like, he was a worldly man, and he was very extroverted. Very sure of himself. Yes, he was. Very confident. Uh Um, And Anthony Mackie's character was a lot more reserved, Uh kind of introverted, Maybe in some sense a little nerdy because he he was able to do a lot of different um, calculations. Just basically, I don't even want to say by memory because I would you know that wouldn't be great. But he was able to calculate things just you know off the bat in his head, which was crazy. Whereas Samuel L. Jackson's character was somebody that you know he can shake hands and talk to people. But Anthony Mackie wasn't as comfortable with um, going, you know, into the public with all that knowledge he had. Yeah, no, he, yes, you're right. You know, Samuel Jackson, he was just more of the. Um, he was gregarious. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, you know, he wasn't stupid. He was not a dumb not person. At all. <clears throat> he was really street smart. He was really, uh, he could read characters. Mm-hmm. He can read a person, which is good, you know. Um, so on the first. You know, meeting uh, <laughs> Andy Mackey, he did not like Samuel Jackson. He thought he was a jackass. He thought he was a jackass. He did not <laughs> like him. Because, he, you know, he was kind of one of those people who used to come off a little rough around the edges, and you, you had to warm up to him, you know, to see, you know. He was really a good dude. Um, so he did not want to do business with this guy. So uh, his wife, Nia Long, she, like, kind of pressed him to say, hey, look, Unless you got another option, you need to make sure that you talk to this dude. So he eventually goes back. He gives him this idea. Say, hey, listen, my wife said that you own some property. You know, um, you know, what do you have, about two or three properties or whatnot? And he's like, no, I own 17. 18 if you count the club I own. His 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 mother, I think, was a real estate agent. Right. And see, not to cut you off, but that's the thing about us in the black community. Back in the days, um, I think we kind of mentioned this before. Most of, you got to think about most historical black buildings um, during Jim Crow and a lot, a lot of things that happened in the 50s. Basically, I'll say between the 1900s and about probably up until now they were getting seed money from people who ran numbers who had illegal gambling people who had whorehouses um so those people also had a a a dream about how the black community would be when i say those people i mean people that you know you just they they have a tarnished reputation whether you know because they were more street people they weren't total intellectuals as we would see them, but they gave to people who were intellectuals, just like uh, that show that's on television now where you see um, 
uh, what's the drug dealer that was in Harlem around the 1940s? No, 1950s and 60s, and he was a friend of Malcolm X's. Uh, I don't know, but Forrest Whitaker is now playing uh, the character. No, I know what you're talking about. Bumpy Johnson. So Bumpy Johnson um, was basically the, you know, the money man. He gave money to a lot of different organizations during that time with, you know, with not wanting anything in return. And he had advisors like Malcolm X was like, man, you need to stop doing this. There's plenty of things that you could do with this money to help people. So that I just want to kind of throw that out there that when you watch the movie, you know, some people may have their judgments about who Samuel L. Character, who Samuel L. Jackson's character was. Um, but he initially changed the game uh, when it comes to black people and investing in real estate. That's all I'm going to say. He did. They changed the game. Um, so he, he basically he went there, he talked to Samuel Jackson's character, you know, say, Hey, listen, um, I wanna I wanna sit going to business together. So he's like, All right, well, what do you have in mind? He says, Do you do you know about that that big building in downtown LA? He shows him a picture. And Samuel Jackson's like, Yeah, I know this this is the tallest building in LA. Um so he's like, Yeah, I know. He said, so Anthony Mackey's like, well, hey, I want to buy it. Now, obviously, he's like, okay, you crazy. That's an all-white neighborhood. Um, no black people at the time owned any property in downtown L.A. None. So here it is. He wants to buy a building, which is the biggest building, the most valuable building, mm-hmm. in the most prominent, valuable place in the city of downtown L.A. So... He basically lets them know, you know, why he wants to buy it. So they like, all right. They talk back and forth. He's like, all right, if we're going to do this, how are we going to do it? So they come up with the ingenious idea to get a white guy. A white play. guy that worked with uh, Bernard Garrett's cousin. In the movie, it was uh-huh. his cousin. And the white guy, he basically, he he wasn't colorblind, obviously. But it didn't matter that his best friend in the movie was a black man. And he was willing to work for Bernard Garrett, like fixing up the units and stuff. And Bernard Garrett is like, hey, you know what? I need you to be my front man. I need you. I'm going to Joe Morris and Bernard Garrett taught Matt Steiner, who is played by Nicholas Holt. Um, how to be, um, how to act like a wealthy white man, basically. Um, They gave him the mathematical knowledge of um, figuring out uh, how to determine whether or not a property, what a property value is, uh, commercial property value, excuse me, and also play golf. Because not only did he need to know how to invest but he needed to know the whole lifestyle of a wealthy white man um so they taught him two black men (laughs) taught him how to be a better white man better in the eyes of the people that he was um, trying to get the ear of yeah so they basically uh taught him everything he knew about real estate and like you said about golf because even today, a lot of business deals are made on a golf course. Um, 
you know, I always wonder why everybody like to play golf. Um, and that's one of the reasons why. That's where you make your business deal. That's where people are talking about business. And if you want to know what's really going on in the business world, a lot of times you'll know on the golf course. So he, they basically taught him how to play golf good enough to where he would be able to have a meeting with the guy who owned that building in downtown L.A. that they were going to buy. Now, when he te- when he's teaching him all the the terminology of commercial real estate, can mind you, this guy didn't know anything. So Anthony Mackey is teaching him all the terminology of commercial real estate, but he was finding it difficult to grasp it. So he's like, all right, some way, somehow, we got to get you to, to know this stuff. And he's like, well, I'll just remember it. And as you'll see in the movie, all these numbers on the chalkboard, all these equations, this Nicholas Holt character, he's he's memorizing everything. So it was just kind of good to see that you have these three people, two black, one white, one guy, the white guy has to be the face of the company, but he doesn't know anything about the company. One guy is, like you said, a nerd. He knows all the numbers, all the finances, but he's he's not very as good as far as the, the people person as the third guy, Samuel Jackson, who he's a more savvy, you know, he can speak to people. So it's like you have three people from three different worlds that they all mesh together and they made it work. So fast forward, they end up having a meeting with this, the owner and they ended up buying the building. So now here it is, these two black guys and the white guy, but the white guy is just the front man. These two black guys own the biggest, most valuable building in downtown L.A. in the 1960s, in the Jim Crow era. Coming out of, well, at that time, coming out of Jim Crow. Still, you know, it still was reminiscent of, you know what I'm saying? It was still there, right? Absolutely. Now, this was the sweet part about what they did. In this building, they had tenants, and those tenants were some businesses. And some of those businesses were banks. So now they own the building and they're getting paid by the tenants in the building. And some of those tenants are banks. And one of those banks happened to be the bank that he had all those loans with when he owned those properties with the with his partner, the Irish guy who died. So they didn't want to deal with him when, when he passed away. His wife wanted to give him pennies on the dollar. That banker didn't want to talk to him. And here it is. Now he owns the bank, owns the the building that the bank is in. He meaning Bernard Garrett. Bernard Garrett. Bernard Garrett, Joe Morris. They owned the building that the banks were tenants of. Right? Or tenants in. So now the ingenious part about that is this. Now when they use this white guy, Nicholas Hope, to go out and start buying other property. Because what they did is they started buying all the property around that building in downtown L.A. Prominent white neighborhoods. They just started buying it up. So now the banks that they're going to use to buy those properties, you know, they're going to need loans on those properties. They're going to use the banks that's their tenants in their building. So those banks are not going to probably, they probably won't deny them any loans on properties because they're tenants in the building that they own. So that's like a monopoly. You just put, you were in the rock, but you were between a rock and a hard place. You just put them between the same thing. You see what I'm saying? So I was like, that was just straight code. That was chess mate. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was chess. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I said chessmate. <laughs> it was checkmate, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was chess though. So now and then and then, you know, <laughs> they didn't even realize at first that these black guys owned it. But now once they start going by all these properties, again, the white guy's the front man for them. He's the one that's talking to the owners, buying these buildings from them, but the black guy's names are the ones that's going on the deed. So nobody knows that they're the ones that own these properties. Now, the reason why they were doing this, because like you said, you, I think you said you read some of the reviews. Um, and I know some of the reviews, they were kind of trying to trash the movie. Yeah, the movie reviews, I didn't, some of them, not all of them, but some of them from very prominent sources made the characters, uh, Joe Morris and Bernard Garrett Sr. look like conmen. They weren't con men. They were just playing. The system is a con. I mean, you know, all men are created equal. Obviously, that that wasn't what any of us experienced during that time. Um, But they had to be very, hmm. They had to be very clever. Clever. Yeah, that's that's the only word I can think of. Clever about how they um, worked around the system that kept them from, um, you know, owning properties, uh, attaining generational wealth and such. I mean, they had to go so far as to dress up as chauffeurs and janitors just to go into the banks and hear deals that they were investing in. They yeah, had to, they, yeah. they had to really, you know, disguise themselves to do that. I mean, the the whole movie is a meta. It's like a whole. It's a metaphor. It basically. is. It, it's is. crazy. I mean, the whole movie when you watch it, it is it's it's just mad crazy. It's it's an awesome movie. It's just crazy when you look at it to see the lengths that they had to go to acquire those properties. Like right. they had to, like you said, you know, dress up as janitors or chauffeurs, just to appease white people that they probably had more money than mm-hmm. was more wealthy than right was probably more educated than right. you know but just to appease them right you know they had to dumb themselves down exactly and they felt like hey this is what i gotta do to own what i want to own i'm all for it and i and i was man i was i was loving it and there was there was even a scene where um Anthony Mackie, he's standing outside one of the properties, and he has uh, the white guy and I think uh, his little cousin, and he's telling them about something they're gonna start repairing on. And uh, these two white these two white cops came up, and there was a, a white lady in the building who <laughs> she didn't like the fact that he was at the building. No, she didn't like the fact that he was saying that he owned the building. Well, well he didn't tell her he owned it at first. Oh yeah. And then she didn't like the fact he was there, and he told her he was an owner. Mm-hmm. So she didn't like that, so she called the police on him. So he's standing outside, and he's you know talking to his crew about what they're going to repair. And the police comes up and say, "Hey, you know, we got a report from this lady saying that you are uh, impersonating the owner of this property." And he said, "Well, you know, I'm not impersonating; I am the owner." And they kind of laughed, looking at him like, "Okay, you're crazy. Black guy's not going to own this kind of property or property, period." He took the papers out his prop out his pocket, which he, was the he deed. He said he knew to have a copy on yep. hand. He knew like to have a copy of the deed that shows that he is the owner of the property. So this man had to walk around with proof 
that he owned a property just because nobody would have thought that he was on be an owner of a property as a black man. Because of people's ignorance. Let's just be 100. Because of their own ignorance. And, you know, it's sad, but that's what he had to do. Mm -hmm. So when they look at the deed and they see his name, they say, okay, well, hey, this is real. But they basically, you know, it was really like a, yeah, but, you know, just just watch yourself, basically. Yeah, it was really, it was that strong apprehension. Like, how your black ass going to own something like this? But, okay. So I'm going to bring up a situation because, you know, we got a story for everything. All right. So the property that we owned in the Seattle area, um, we had some neighbors across the way. We didn't own the property. Some other people own the property. But they had an issue with something. I think it had to do with parking because we shared the parking lot with another owner. Um, And the, (laughs) the people that lived in the unit across from uh, from what we owned um, would see us outside, well, see Ramon outside cutting the grass or see me outside, you know, um, at that time uh, speaking to uh, painters and, you know, handymen and stuff like that. They would see that obviously, you know, I should, if I have an issue, I should be talking to them. But they decided... In their own, I, I just, I really want to cuss, but I'm, I'm, I'm BPG 13. They decided in their own ignorant mind to go to our tenant who didn't have near the knowledge of what we had. Okay. They decided to go to her and ask her questions about our property. And instead of her saying, hey, you know, I don't own it. She gave them the assumption that she owned the property. So they assume, remember that? No. You don't remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the people that lived across the street, um, I think they were, uh, I think they were Samoan. Uh-huh. They went to our tenant that lived next to us uh-huh. um, and asked her something about our dealings, like who are those, you know, who are those people and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she told them, um, that, oh, they, you know, they manage the property, but in their mind, Mm. in their mind, they went, they could have came to us Mm. because we were always out in the front yard, you know, doing something that had to do with the property. Well, that happened a lot. So I, you know, it does happen a lot. It happens so many times. I just, I don't, you know, and I don't get bothered by it because it's like, whatever, you know, at the end well, of the day, the shit out of me. Excuse well, me. no, because you know, people have to understand that situation because there might be a lot of people like you that would be ready to go off, mm-hmm. right? Because you want people to acknowledge you as an owner, because you might feel like, well, hey, I went through all this stuff to buy this property, and here they are going to disrespect me, and you know, no, and don't give me the respect. Right. But the thing is, too, how I always looked at it is, as long as you don't physically come up and and verbally disrespect me. You know what I mean? Then it's different. But if you just ask somebody because you don't feel like I'm the owner, you just go to talk to them and say, hey, you know, what's the owner? Who's the owner and all this other crap? I don't care. Yes. But but the minute you come on the property and do something that I don't like, then I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm the owner, and this is what I need you to do. And if you don't do this, I'm going to exercise my right as an owner. See, because then, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, then you're going to give me the respect. 
because you either gonna walk away and don't ever talk to me again, or the next time you do approach me, it's gonna be on a whole different kind of level, right? It's gonna be ask the owner, hey sir, how you doing? You know, and that's cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I just want you to act right, act right the first time. So. <laughs> You know, like I said, I, it's happened so many times. People come to the property and they're like, hey, well, you know, I need to speak to the owner because da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, well, you know, we are the owner. Oh, oh okay. Well, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, they get totally thrown for a loop. It is it's, so, it's so well, crazy. The one that you would get all the time, though. Or I, I, I was heard it would be like, oh, so do you, you just own this one? No, we own, we own all of them. So you own all of these? Yeah, we own all of these. They're connected. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, okay. But see, it would be funny because a lot of times they, oh, well, are you, do you have any to, to rent out? No, we're all full. <laughs> <laughs> we're full. And yeah, you hate to be like that, but it's like, man, you go, we I literally go through things like that every day. You know, when you're out in public and you're dealing with people that have that mentality. Because it, it's not just coming from just you white people. You can't take it personal, though. It's, it's hard but see, I to. do. Sometimes I do. Like I said, no, I'm saying it, as long as they don't tell you to your face, hey, and you like, I own this property. Like, you own this property? How, how, how can a black woman own a property? As long as they don't say nothing crazy like that, it, you can't let it bother you. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you're the owner. I almost prefer for it to come out like that. Because you want to just act up and go No, I don't want to act up. I prefer for it to come out like that because I need to I need to know that what I'm thinking it, it it's it's real. Like no, no, you know, because no, a lot no. of times people be trying to hide behind that. And you know, for the last what five or ten years, all that built up tension that they had about black people is coming out. And I don't know how other people feel about it. But hey, I like to see it. I know what you're talking about now. They didn't. Uh, they didn't do that. The Samoan people. They didn't do that. What there was is they saw me uh, fixing up one of those units after the one tenant left, uh-huh. and they wanted to know if it was uh, if it was available to rent. Right. So they went and asked one of the other tenants. One of our tenants. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And she didn't tell them, "Hey, that's the owners right next door. That's who you need to speak to." Uh, he waited. And I think one of the ladies, I don't know if it was his wife or girlfriend or who, she asked me, you know. And I said, well, you know, we're going to be putting it on the market pretty soon, but, you know, it's not ready yet. So, it, you know, I didn't get mad. I just, you know, I, was, I was very cordial. But they know? saw us every day. Our tenant was know, a hermit. She didn't even come outside. But some some properties, the person um, could be managing it and live on site. And I'm not saying, you know, for me, it's not for me to know how they... How they felt, how, or what how they, they were feel, thinking. or what they see, oh, yeah. you know, because they could have thought, oh, that was probably the manager, you know. I mean, you know, you have we have to change the narrative because that is prevalent in this country. Is when you see a black person and you find out they're the owner of a property, it's like, whoa, you you own this, and it's like, yeah, it's like there should be nothing stopping me from owning something just because of the color of my skin. Absolutely. And I'll say too, for just for me, that this is not for anybody else, but just for me, I'm starting um, as I mature in in years <laughs> to look at people's intention, not necessarily what was on the surface of what they said, but I'm looking at what did you mean? Like you do. Like, okay, 
you said this, but what did you mean? Because sometimes people can't articulate what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, you'll get a feeling, you know, because sometimes they'll say something and it won't sound right. Right. And you kind of give that look like, you got about three seconds to say that right. <laughs> or, you know, I'm going to react. You know, I don't know how I'm going to react. So, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I just think, you know, black people, you know, we, we have to change the narrative and, and start buying property because it can't, we can't have that stigma, you know, on us that, you know, how dare you or not even how dare you, but you can't own anything, you know, as a black person. Um, so, you know, and only white people own property. You know, that's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. where we at, there's all different nationalities on property there. You know, there was a lot of different nationalities here. You know, some black people, some black owners, some Mexican, you know, some everybody. Right. So, you know, the property, the land is here for everyone. Um, so, you know, I just think with these two guys, it was such a landmark, um, you know, idea, you know, what they did, what they tackled, what they took on. Um, and for them to go out there and buy all this property that was so valuable in white-only neighborhoods, right? This is white-only neighborhoods. <laughs> and they was owning these properties. And they had amassed, like, somewhere in the tune of, like, 170 properties or more. Within a within a short time span. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a lot of time. Yeah, it wasn't and a lot of time. And I'm saying 170 units, like 170 door, like 170 properties, buildings. buildings. And these buildings had like multiple, multiple units. So like their pro- that back then, these guys, I'm willing to say was what, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Grant Cardone or, or Robert Kiyosaki is today, you know, uh, just by how many properties they own. If they still own those properties today, I mean, these dudes would be, you know, probably billionaires. Billionaires. Because yeah, because they own in prime location, downtown L.A. L.A. I mean, if you're from L.A. or know about L.A., you know, that's one of the most expensive cities in the country. Um, you know, houses, I think average house is like seven, eight $800,000. Right. And you ain't getting so much. So you're talking about right. properties, 10, 12 units. <laughs> you're talking about a multi-million dollar property. Um, so, you know, these dudes, these guys, man, they, they went on to, um, buying all these properties and then there's a portion and we'll kind of fast forward through this, let you guys watch the movie, but they end up, um, going to Bernard's hometown, Willis, Texas, and they wanted to buy this bank because the whole premise of the movie was they wanted to be able to give opportunities to black people to be able to buy homes and start businesses because back in those times it was very hard for them to buy homes in certain areas and it was very hard for them to buy homes in their own area even in their own area but (laughs) you got to think just because i'm black don't mean i want to live in a bad area right i might want to live in this other area where i don't have to worry about that stuff and you're talking about there was still some prominent black people who had to live in the hood because they couldn't buy in the white neighborhoods so they're buying these properties so black people could buy homes and or or rent in nicer areas and to be able to start businesses. So what he wanted to do in his hometown, he wanted to do that because it was Willis, Texas was probably it was probably one of the racist most racist places in, in, in the country. So they wanted to buy this bank in his hometown and start giving out loans to the black people in the community. Now as you can see, when you watch the movie, this is 
this is one of his worst decisions. Right. It was, it was his best decision because I think that was his path. I think that was the path that they were supposed to take. Right. Because they changed history. Right. But on the servers, it was like the, the, the worst decision to do. To make. But he was making a political statement with actually was. not wanting to make a statement. He just wanted to do what was right, and that was to give black people the same opportunity. Well, you know, Martin Luther King wanted to do what was right. Malcolm right. X wanted to do what was right. You know, all these people, black forever lived on people. <laughs> <laughs> they all wanted to do what was right. You know what I mean? Like, people always try to paint the picture that they would be some radicalist people that just wanted to go against society and they were terrorists and all this other crap. No, these are people that wanted things to be fair and wanted things to be right. And anytime that you do that in that type of society, you're going to have pushback. Right. And sometimes it's going to be so pushed back to where you're going to change, you're going to change everything. And um, You got to change the system and, and make people that are decision makers look at themselves. Uh-huh. So, so I'll say this, and I'm saying this from my perspective, but black people have been a mirror for white people to really see themselves because we, without question, have been the moral background of America. We have said people, person, whoever it is, look at yourself. Like, I'm going to hold a mirror to you. And if you could go through what I go through, then you can tell me how to feel. You know, and that was kind of what they were doing in this movie through making, um, they just stumbled upon making a political statement. Like, I mean, it was, big, it was a big ass political statement too, because I mean, <laughs> they went, they went, you got to think about this. That's like, any, anybody listening to this black, right? It's like you going to uh, a mo- the most rural town in Arkansas. And buying a where there's probably two black people in the city, and they work at Walmart, and you gonna go buy a bank, <laughs> <laughs> you gonna go buy a bank, you know what I'm saying? As a black person, you just walk in, want to talk to the owner, like, yeah, I want to buy this bank. You are gonna have a very tough time doing it. These dudes did, you know, but they was creative about it, right? They use a white guy to do it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, in the eyes of Congress, they said it was. So there were some things that happened, you know, in the movie that you guys, you know, see. It's very good. Um, they end up getting convicted of, I'm just going to say some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and end up doing, I think, two or three years in prison. Right. Um, and end up losing all their property. Which um, was the, probably a, the original intention of after course. they found out that the men that invested in these properties were black. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's a twist, though, at the end um, where it's kind of that thing where you thought you were smarter than me, but I was a little bit smarter, Uh, you know. And I won't even say it. I'll let you guys see it. But it's a nice little twist at the end where I was just like, yeah, I was clapping. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you know. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, it's a very good movie. Like I said, I've watched it about three times. And, you know, it's about – I take the real estate out of it because we, we always talk about real estate owning, investing in real estate, and it was just really uh, motivating to see these guys do this in a time where, I mean, you could could have gotten hung for trying to do what they were doing. Absolutely. You know, and they they maneuvered their way around, 
and they did it, you know, and it's kind of like today, you know, it's like you don't have any excuse, you know. Um, it's not the same. That doesn't mean well, no, it's no, entirely no. Wait, better. Let's be let's it, be very uh, let's be honest. Well, no, um, I'm saying it's not. Then they wore, you know, they wore the the garb, the KKK suits. They can't do that now. Mm. They can infiltrate by wearing actual business suits and saying, "I won't give you this loan," and if I have to give you this loan, you gonna have to work for it because obviously it still goes on. Um, Chase has been sued multiple times. Bank of America, Wells Fargo. A a lot of the major banks have been sued because there's always somebody making excuses. And then you got the uh, CEO of Wells Fargo saying that there are no um, qualified qualified black people, you know, that are um, sending in their resumes, which is not true because you cannot dispute Black women are the most educated people in America. That is a fact by numbers. That is a fact. So you can't you can't dispute that. I'm not saying that you know other races other races aren't just as educated, but more black women have educations than anyone else college educated um, in America. Well, so, I mean, like yeah, I'm I'm not we're not disputing. I'm not even disputing that. It's more of a um it's not the same type of era. I mean, it has evolved and changed. Cause like you said, back then, you knew who didn't like you. Yeah. You know, they told you, they called Absolutely. you names, you know, the N-word, all that stuff. Like, they told you where you can go, where you can't go. You can't drink at this fountain. You can't use this bathroom. You can't, you know what I mean? You got to sit in the back of the bus. Like, they were very, very more open about it. Whereas today, they're not as open about it. They're a little bit more covert. Um, but it's still there. You know, obviously, we, right. it's still there. It's a passive, it's still pre- Yeah, it's still prevalent. Um, racism. And it's not, you know, again, it's not everybody, right? It's not everywhere. Because um, sometimes we get it from our own people. Sometimes, you know. All skin folk and kin folk. We've gotten loans. We've gotten deals. We've gotten, we've done business with, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian. I mean, everyone. So this is not to say that everybody is, is like this. Or has that, um, that racist mentality. Yeah, yeah, Some because, people are like, look, if I give you this money, you're just going to have to prove to me why I should be giving it to yeah, you. And we totally get that. There's, like, yeah, we there's totally people get who, that. I mean, and the thing is, we might have done business with people who don't like us because of what we look like, but they didn't show it. I, they, they know how to separate their personal feelings from business, Right. And in business, you can't really ask for more than that. I know sometimes they do, you know, like I think in the Japanese culture or uh, maybe Chinese, they don't do business unless they have a rapport with you. Right. You know what I mean? So um, in America, it's not totally like that. No, not always. You know, it's, it's business. It's money. Money is green, you know. So no matter what you look like, if I can make money from you, then I'm going to do business with you. So um, I'm sure we, you know, we've encountered people like that. Um, like I said, you know, it's you can get hatred uh, from anybody, you know, of any color. Uh, it's just that this particular movie was um, showcasing a time where things really were black and white. You know, it, it really was. You can't have these things. You can't do this. You can't go here because you are black. Not for any other reason. Because you are black. And just to see what they, what they did, what they had, what they amassed, you know, 
all these properties, how wealthy they were in that kind of environment. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, it, it just, it just really, like I said today, if you look at that, you, you don't have any reason to not go out there and do this. It doesn't mean that you're going to forever be successful. It doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, run into some problems, you know, like that or anything, you know, kind of like that. It just means that you still have a chance to do it. Um, and you're going to always encounter people that don't like you for a number of reasons. So um, I just like this movie. It was probably the best movie I've seen, especially 2020. Yes, Ramon um, was like ecstatic to the point where he could have watched it over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, it was my movie right here. Yeah, uh, yeah, it just you know because you got a lot of movies that it just it's a lot of a lot of filler. They just want to put a movie out like it don't have no substance. This movie has substance. You know, it was really attacking stigmas and you know racial issues, uh, and then blacks owning property, owning land. You know, we're a time where we own what is a one percent of all the property or land in the country. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. So you know, I think it's starting to go up though. Not just because they're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, you know, they're starting to get in their head, right? You know, to own property, as you know, whether it's just land or whatever the case, you know, own something. You know what I mean? Because that's when you really can have a say so on certain things, you know. If you meet that person who uh you know doesn't think you should be an owner, don't let it bother you, you know what I'm saying? You the owner. Let let them be mad. Yeah. And I do. Yeah, I mean like Ramon said, you really can't um, you know, adhere to what people think of you because it it, it doesn't do much for you as the person who is trying to make a difference in, you know, in your own life and essentially possibly the lives of others to worry about what other people think about you. And I think that um, that's kind of, that is the way we approached um, entering the real estate industry because we had so many um, setbacks in the beginning and, you know, even up until now, but we've been blessed to, you know, be wiser in this um, in this industry and to learn how to kind of, I don't want to say manipulate, but maneuver, excuse me, maneuver, you know, through things like that. She said manipulate. I ain't manipulating nobody. Yeah, we're not manipulating people. But sometimes you, you got to kind of, you know. No, do not let people think that you're out here <laughs> manipulating anybody. No, we're not manipulating maneuver. nobody. Maneuver is the word that I wanted. So, yeah, we've been very, you know, strategic about how Ramon definitely has. He's been very strategic about how we do things in the industry. Whereas, you know, a lot of times you could just see, you know, he wants to go off, but he just takes a step back and he really has to think about it. Much like Bernard Jarrett Sr.'s character in the movie, where he was very strategic about how thing, you know, the inner the interworking should be how they should keep their integrity through the entire process of purchasing these properties and not lose sight of the goal. And for them, the goal wasn't just money. And it wasn't, as we said before, to make a political statement or to change the course of history. It was just to just to give housing and business business loans to those who have been kept from that, you know, that those loans and that wealth. I mean, 
it, it's always, you know, the meek, as they say in the Bible, the meek will inherit the earth. It, it kind of happens like that where it's just so innocent, you know, and, and then it's, um, it just grows into something bigger because what God uses for, or no, what the devil uses for evil, God uses for good. I mean, you got to think about this when people have malicious intentions and you just like, man, I should have did this or I should have said that, you know, you think it in the back of your mind and then you see your karma or that person's karma happening right in front of you. You're like, damn, this happened better than I could have, you know, than I could have even better imagined. You know, it, it's, it's crazy how things work out when you really sit back and you're receptive to how the universe works. The universe will work it out because again, in this movie, these men didn't have the intention to, to be malicious or um, as one um, movie reviewer said, um, to be conmen. That, that wasn't the intent. The intent was to say, I want to give black business loans and give people a home. And that they did. They uh, also, with everything they did, they were able to, um, they, they, they caused Congress to enact the 1968 law, the Fair Housing Act, which we all have, I'm sure, heard of today. The reason that law came into pass was because of these two men. And that law, the Fair Housing Act, was basically making it illegal to um, deny renting to anyone based on the color of their skin. So <laughs> these dudes change history. Because if you think about it, if that never happened, we may be living in a place and a time right now where you couldn't buy color or you couldn't rent somewhere because you were black. They changed that. Um, and I'm sure they had another law that was put in place too because, oh, they did. Yeah. So now, also, with uh, when you own property, it becomes public information. So where you can go onto county records and you can find out who owns a building, it'll tell you the name of the person who owns it or the LLC. Back then, you didn't have that. So they didn't know that these black men owned all these properties um, because it wasn't public information like that. They changed that. So, you know, in the end, they did end up losing all those properties, but they changed the course of history that a lot of us um, are benefiting and can benefit from today. So, I mean, I love it. I know. I and I just it. want to say this. Thank you to my husband. Because when I watched this movie, I can... It gave me a little bit more perspective about what goes on in his head when he's figuring out these deals. Just by what Bernard Garrett, you know, was was doing. I can actually say, okay, this... This is why my husband don't want to talk to me right now because he's, you know, sitting here trying to figure out how to um, give our children, you know, a leg up, you know, and compete with, you know, ch the kids that were given the opportunities that our children may not be given. Um, it, it we'll give them the opportunity, but people that make decisions um, may not be able to uh, or will not give our child the same opportunities that they would a white child, obviously. 
So that's kind of how I took it too. It was it was very personal for um for me because it came from the perspective of a black man who was just trying to be seen as a man, as a human being. And that's how I see my husband. So I love you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Hey, it's just crazy how somebody can <laughs> somebody can be a con man and create a situation, and then you create a way out of that situation, and then now you're the con man. Yeah, it's so crazy how that works, but yeah. that's a sleight of hand trick, you know, and it still gets done today. It still gets done. We won't even go into it, but I could. But it still gets done. It's today. our show. What do you you want to get into it? No, no, I don't. No, 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 no. Trust me, no. But you know, um, again, watch the movie. Please watch the movie. Uh, Take if notes. You, if you don't have Apple, so you have the Apple TV, which was uh, normally that little square box. Now most TVs, I think, come with Apple TV. You can just download the app. If you have an iPhone, um, or any Apple products. Yeah, it should be already. On your app, your uh, Apple product. Uh, if not, you can download it from the App Store. But of um, course, you have to pay for you know. Um, no, no, no. Apple TV uh, is giving out uh, free memberships. You don't want to tell people that because what if the free membership goes from like what we had for a year subscription to seven well, I, days or something? I just saw it yesterday. So hey, and yeah, even if you gotta day. pay, it's worth it. The movie will be free once you get it. Um, like I said, it's a couple hours long, I believe, but it's worth it. Yes, it is absolutely. A, it's, it's worth every minute. It's a great, and it, and it has good actors. Great actors. Great actors. Yes. I mean, Samuel Jackson, he going to make the movie. Exactly. You know, Anthony Mackie, I love that dude too. Neil Long, you know what I mean? So you got great actors that they're playing in this movie. Um, so yeah, I hope y'all love it. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, and and after you've watched it, leave a comment and uh, let us know what you thought about the movie and how our um, transcription of it, <laughs> you know, applies. So, you know, just leave some opinions, some comments. We we love to read them and or hear from y'all. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, you know, uh, I know we haven't uh, put out anything in a few weeks, you know, with the holidays and, you know, some things we got working on. And, you know, we'll try to get back to our regular schedule programming. Um, you know, we got some things we're working on. Uh, we still got the YouTube coming. Yes. Um, you know, we want to try to get more interactive and do some interviews, you know, kind of really let you guys see, you know, a lot of what we do and, and just kind of give more information on, you know, the real estate industry, period. And we want to hear both sides because we're talking to people as two black individuals. So if anyone has a different perspective to dispute anything that we've said in any of the podcasts, we'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, we'll definitely put it out there. So, um, yeah, we, like I said, we, we got some things coming. Um, working on a little something right now. You know, I won't say what it is yet, yeah. but, you know, when, I, when we're finished with it, we'll... We'll definitely let you guys know, and I think it's going to really help a lot of people um, to get started in real estate. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of things out like it, but 
Okay, don't stop giving clues. I, you know, I'm just saying there's a lot of things it, I like it, but it's pe- gonna be something that's gonna blow your effing mind. Okay, no, I won't. I won't hype it up like that. But you know, what I'm saying it, it's gonna be good. It's it's yeah. really gonna be details. Really gonna it's gonna get you right. You know, what I'm saying 2021 because you're gonna have to be ready. <clears throat> 2021, I'm telling you, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be crazy because you know 2020 was for a lot of people. It was you know they like oh my god I can't wait till it's over, but some people like sure I made money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing. When you have crisis like this, when you have times like this, you're going to have people who lose everything. You're going to have people who gained everything. And 2021, I think, is going to be like where you got to take advantage of it. It's, I think it's going to be booming a little bit. And and I, that might be an understatement because it just it's just And be a part time. of it. Yeah, There's no time. reason why whatever circumstance you're in, you can't be a part of gaining the wealth as long as you attain it in a... In a you know in a productive way, positive way, and legally, you know, a legal way, a legal, L E G A L, not illegal. I know I said I said legal. Oh okay. You gotta put that break down. <laughs> no, not on these concrete streets. <laughs> but uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Hey, just uh, stay tuned, stay aware. Stay blessed, you know what I'm saying, and, and uh, stay healthy. Stay healthy, yeah. Hey, get your get your get your mind right, get your body right. If you want to stay around, you know that's gonna be important. Get your mental health right. You know we we crazy out here, but uh, hopefully we get together, get yeah. to get it together in 2021. Yes, absolutely. And beyond. So, hey, oh, go on, go on, put us out. We are so happy to be back. <laughs> Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Slow Wealth Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation with Kendra and Ramon. Please subscribe. Leave comments. Love, a.k.a. Like Us. We're on Facebook, um, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify. Did I say Spotify already? Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere else? Oh, you can email us at invest at slowwealth.com. That is I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Invest at slowwealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to us. We really appreciate it and love y'all so much. Yeah. Yeah, I